if you want to just start out with, if you want to just start out with, you know, who are you? You know, what are you doing right now? Yeah. And then what are, you know, what school did you go to? And then some of, you know, what what you work in right now, essentially. Yeah. So uh, I'm Billy Lawton. Um, so I, I'm a business analyst right now for the Bears. Seasonal, I guess, not full time at this point. But um, so I guess before this, uh, I was at U of I, uh, did management marketing uh, for undergrad, then spent the last year uh, doing a master's at Carnegie Mellon University um, in product and service innovation, I guess you would call it. Um, so <clears throat> kind of a took a little bit of a circuitous route to where I'm going right now. I didn't necessarily fully plan to get into the world of analytics. Like as my first job after graduation, I was more aiming for like product management, um, sort of in that space, more on obviously the marketing side, not the technical side of product management for like a CPG company or something like that. But I just sort of, this opportunity just kind of came up and I was interested in both sports. And then obviously it's in like a high demand technical area where you're building a lot of relatable skills that could serve me well, regardless of where I ended up wanting to go. So I figured at this point, um, given like what we had talked about earlier, sort of the lower opportunity cost of sort of um, uh, starting out at kind of a lower rung than maybe you would you would expect potentially with a master's degree. I figured it was a good opportunity to get my foot in the door in an area that may end up being where I want to stay for the long haul. Yeah, yeah. So I, just going back to, and and you know we had we chatted earlier, but I guess just look you know going back on what we were talking about when you say lower opportunity costs, you're talking about the basically taking on a, a job that may not pay at, or not shouldn't say pay but like not even you know may not be as ideal as some other opportunities that you might have but there's so much of in, in implicit you know benefit um, yeah can you talk about you know what those types of benefits are yeah definitely I think just for me one um, I got like to land a similar role at a, at a different company like given my skill set at this point to get like a similar job title and sort of like um, work opportunity it it wasn't going to be it, it it was it requires kind of more experience generally for a similar role at a different company so um and it builds like in-demand skills and in an industry that i was interested in so it was really the combination of like getting to you know an opportunity to work in sports which is already kind of rare in itself but also in an area that you know i'm not just picking any job in sports like it's picking an area that's going to serve me with good skills that i'm leveraging my education in order to you know, be of service um, to, to the company. So. That, that makes sense. And I'm curious, you know, what was that, as you said, it's incredibly competitive to get a yeah. job with a sports team. So yeah. what was that process? How did you differentiate yourself? And what would you recommend for somebody who's trying to get into there? You know, what were some of the organizations that you joined? What were some of the things you did while in those organizations that allowed you to, to get those opportunities? Can you just talk about that a little bit? For sure. I think the biggest thing is just, um, like, at least just in learning about sort of, I guess, like, what they're looking for, as well as, like, what I'm looking for, it's, like, just doing some of those upfront networking conversations as early as you can, just because it really helps you not only learn what they're looking for, but you learn a lot about yourself along the way. Like, one of the biggest things that I learned was um, I talked with, like, a, a he, was, he was, like, a VP of technology for the Cubs. He's since moved on to a, a different company. But, like, the biggest thing that stuck out with me from a conversation with him was, is like what like what do you want your career to be? Do you want to be like potentially a leader in this space, or do you want to just like work in sports like like anybody else sort of? Um, so like and that can involve having to take you know different sort of job titles and working your way in because he started out like he worked at Accenture and then worked his way in because he decided you know he didn't want to just you know have the job title of being in sports for the sake of being in sports. He decided like I wanted to be like you know a leader you know with with like different skills that he developed in the sports space and he kind of backed his way into it instead of just 
sort of taking the first like sports job that kind of that that kind of came his way. So and and that's something. It's interesting you say that because that's something that I think that um, some people don't realize can happen is that he was mentioning to you, do you just want to be somebody else who's working in the space, or do you want to be a leader in that space? And in his case, he ended up working at Accenture and then backing into it by use, but by leveraging that experience at Accenture, which is a really notable consulting firm, um, and then using that to get to, into the sports field because now he's a different. He, it differentiates him, right? Maybe right. people who had just started in there or who are coming from other backgrounds. Interestingly enough, let's say that you're somebody who starts in the sports space and then you want to back and use that to back into a different type yeah. of industry. It can yeah. go both ways, right? Definitely. It's not just you know, leveraging some other experience to get into the space you want to, but maybe you're in a space that you don't actually enjoy as much, but you want to use that to get to the next space. Because the biggest thing at the end of the day too, and like in these interviews that I had um, with the Bears for my current position, the biggest thing is about skills. Like that's that, like that's kind of king anywhere, but especially kind of in that space, the best way to highlight yourself, it's, it's the, the networking in sports absolutely helps like 100%, um, especially for, um, just roles that like they don't do a lot of like external hiring in certain cases for different types of roles but the biggest thing at least especially for kind of the job i'm in and like business analytics the biggest thing they kind of want to see is like you know like do you sort of have an interest in sort of like a consumer face like understanding the consumer understanding the fact because that's sort of what your everyday is in analytics like you're helping sort of the whole organization understand its fans better helping drive you know roi for you know, different like teams better just helping, you know, to obviously drive the bottom line through understanding the customer. So showing that you have experience doing that through school projects or internships mm-hmm. or what have you, that's really the, the, I think the thing that helped me the most in getting to where I currently am. Got it. So that's how you were able to, to get yeah, to that. Yeah. It doesn't have to be sports specific. It's, it was really about like the skills and sort of selling the very, like that I'm very interested in understanding the consumer and sort of in, in that angle really I think really worked in my favor right right and and I am curious you know a lot of that is kind of like the, the job description you know what you're actually trying to achieve right. or what you're what what um, is involved in the role I'm curious do you have like an example or two of like things that you do on a day-to-day basis that like are really kind of uh, illustrative or like really present you know what the kind of typical day-to-day is that somebody who's interested in it but doesn't know exactly what you do yeah. day-to-day yeah you know, what is that like what is some of the things that you do without getting too specific into like kind of client sensitive stuff right um, yeah a lot of it's just um a, a lot of it is uh at, at least what i'm doing a lot of it's spreadsheet work kind of is sort of what it comes out to it's a lot of working with numbers identifying patterns sort of like seeing like just different like brand metrics whether it's like you know like ad awareness um mm-hmm. just like purchase intent just like different stuff about different companies so looking at maybe industry. ad campaigns and then how what the roi is of the yeah and and, okay. and, da- and proprietary databases that they have that that they okay. use to measure um like different things about their fan bases because they go okay. they go through and get a lot of custom research done from different um like boutique kind of um, market research companies in order to get um like specific data on their fans instead of just doing a lot of secondary stuff through google or google scholar or just like more general databases um so a lot of it's just that ability to really like um synthesize data down to like you know granular like really important nuggets that is going to sell well in like a in a sales meeting or um you know like it's it's supporting those other teams to basically help them do what they do better got it got it it's interesting because right now i it's an interesting parallel. So in the UFC, right? Yeah. They, they have they're having this huge fight coming up, which is Masvidal versus Diaz. Yeah. And it's becoming this big hit, and they and Dana White has talked about there being a BMF belt, right? A bad MF or belt. Yeah. Um, which they were actually going to try to trademark, and then actually try to, and I think they're going to try to sell that as like kind of replica belts as merchandise. Yeah. And I think that what happened was somebody <clears throat> who probably worked on their business analyst side said, 
wait a second, there is so much interest around these two. There's so much interest around this fight and the and the, the, the title of BMF that it may make sense for us to make this replica belt and even do it as a one-off because there's just going to be so much demand. People are going to bring it to the actual events, whether it's the weigh-in or the uh, warm-ups or the you know um, uh, media scrums, and they're going to want to get it signed. And so they might have just made that decision based off of seeing the data and saying, wait a second, all of our best videos have you know uh, are peaking with these two involved and around this idea of being a BMF. Yeah. And so to your point, that might be what's – and I don't – you know, without getting too specific about the databases you're using and the insights that you're seeing, it might be that you're finding some insights that allow you to make huge, you know, create huge growth on the merchandise side or on the ticket selling side or on the, you know, brand reputation side. Right. And that's, and that's kind of like, so, so I'm almost asking that as like, is that the type of stuff that you're looking for yeah. um, in the work you're doing? Definitely. Yeah. Like, um, because we don't obviously have like control from where I'm at and on the business side in terms of like dictating like the outcome or the product like really on 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 the field or the court or the arena um stuff like that but i mean a lot of like what i'm doing i mean it really kind of um can determine like whether someone wants to you know like renew or not renew like with sponsorships or like you know re-up like season tickets and just mm -hmm. um stuff like stuff like that and it, so like it really can have a big impact like down the line like in my role obviously you're you're sort of more in a supporting role of other teams and like sure. they're sort of the front-facing side and we're more kind of the back-facing um, sort of internally but like we have a bit like we have a really big role to take on in terms of like we have all this information right and it's that ability to like sort of see through the noise essentially and really you know pick out that that granular nugget that's going to re resonate not only with whoever in the organization that needs to present to a client mm -hmm. or to um, uh, <clears throat> what have you but um, uh, uh, Totally lost my that, that's okay. So, and, and the other side of it too, and I think that you alluded to this, is that yeah. it's not just you know ticket sales, merchandise, etc. Yeah. It's also to your point, sponsorship. So you have to yeah. also figure out what is the thing that you're going to be able to use to actually convince somebody to re up to to your point, re up and actually sponsor another year of yeah. theirs, or you know be able to do a premium sponsorship versus you know maybe a a a, a, um, a regular sponsorship. Because you're asking them to put a lot of money on the line, and it's sort of like you know they they want to know like like what am I likely to get out of you know putting all this money down so that that's really the biggest thing we're showing them like you should put down this amount of money because you're going to get this amount of return on it that's sort of the bottom line of like that result ideally of what you know what we're doing essentially that makes sense that makes sense you were yeah. mentioning when we were chatting earlier you mentioned being a part of isbc yeah um first of all what is isbc and then yeah. how did you find out about it what you know what were you doing within it to kind of create more opportunity for yourself and eventually potentially get a role within yeah. with a sports team which ended up happening you know can yeah. you just talk a little bit about the, that organization and, yeah. and U of I organizations or just your experience at U of I yeah it was kind of a new thing I remember I think around like my sophomore year at U of I was kind of its first year it sort of started out as just like basically a conference that they started advertising around like campus and stuff kind of a collaboration between the College of Business and the Recreation Sport and Tourism mm -hmm. uh, program so I kind of just went went to it kind of like on a, on a whim because I was interested in sports but I you know I mean it was basically just taking my like one, one step and I guess the hypothetical right direction um i sort of saw like a flyer around campus saying like you know there's all these sports organizations that are going to come and present their former alums that sort of thing yeah. so i was like for sure like i'll go and check this out i mean what am, what else am i doing on you know a friday at noon like mm -hmm. prob probably nothing right so, <laughs> yeah. yeah but no it was um i mean it was just cool to you know like sort of get um at least from an outsider's perspective sort of a first look at like um, so like, because they were in all different sorts of organizations across different sports, across different roles. Some of them are in ticket sales, some are in like you know activation, some are in marketing, mm -hmm. and they all sort of do different things. They sort of give their different talk of their career journey. So that was sort of where 
um, I kind of got my first, you know, sort of foot. Um, Did any of them stand out that, that when you heard it, you were like, yes, I want to go into that field or I want to go and work for that organization? Or was it just a general, oh, you know, this this is actually an industry that interests me. I just want to go and figure out, is this something that I want to do? So therefore, I want to go and get my foot in the door by starting out. I think, I think a lot of, I think for me it was, um, it was kind of the diversity of perspectives, like specifically kind of like a, a majority of them were kind of in the sales and like sponsorship sort of side, which didn't particularly like speak to me, just given like what I, I was doing, like with my education versus what this was, it just didn't seem like a good fit. And, and given what I wanted my career to be like, I sort of, mm-hmm. um, I didn't want to be, a lot of that just seems very industry specific um, mm-hmm. in terms of the skills you're working on. And I'm just sort of, I, my thought process was like, I didn't want to, I guess, pigeonhole myself into, like, mm-hmm. going down that route and basically being limited in that way. So I was looking for more <clears throat> opportunities that kind of would leverage what I was doing in the classroom and through internships and stuff like that in, you know, a sports situation mm-hmm. with similar roles and responsibilities and, and that, that sort of thing. Well, um, well speaking of the classroom, um, you started at U of I. And yeah. so do you want to talk a little bit about, you know, what that experience was like and, and some of the things that you that you learned was it more like classroom stuff that actually helped you actual education was it some of the experiences outside of it um was it the organizations i know you talked about isbc but yeah. you know in general how u of i was and then we can move into kind of what you did after u of i which i think might be really interesting to some people yeah. who, who are interested in going to to a, to a school like that and understanding a program like that but first yeah let's start with u of i you know what, what was that experience like what were some of the things that stood out for you yeah i think um just I think like anyone else, when you're initially applying to college, if we're going to take it way back to, to that mm-hmm. to that point, I think it was just um, like the, the the amount of, I guess, networking opportunities and the connections not only to Chicago, but other air, like St. Louis, Indianapolis, uh, Nashville, just things like that. The amount of like recruiting bases that all recruit from U of I along with it just being like a world class, like top tier business school, like really kind of drew me there. And then um, I, I kind of like everyone else just kind of went down the path of, you know, I thought maybe like finance sort of a more qual- like something that is sort of like, I guess, more like a renowned U of I specialty. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, I, I start, and to what we yeah. talked about earlier, the, the value versus what you're getting out of it yeah. um, compared to other schools. Right. So, you know, basically what we were, we were talking about was that, look, you know, U of I is a really, really good school considering that yeah. if you're an in-state student, the, yeah. you know, the, the kind yeah. of ROI of the amount that you're putting into tuition versus yeah. what you're getting out of it. Right. Um, there is a debate now, I think, yeah. really about, you know, that ROI because I think it's getting pretty high up there. Yeah. Um, but I think that for us at the time, it made sense. Yeah. Um, the, the other aspect is what you did after. And, um, I, you know, do you want to talk a little bit about, you know, where you went and then specifically what you did within that program? Um, which I think could be really interesting to some people. Yeah, so um, my master's program is obviously very kind of like consumer-facing, consumer-centric, really heavy on kind of um, sort of figuring out what drives innovation, both from not only a business perspective, but um, engineering and design, how all those things can come, come um, I guess, intersect to create, you know, unique, innovative products. But I sort of got an interest um, in that from taking a new product innovation course as a part of my marketing curriculum at U of I and doing um, a, doing a semester of um, like kind of consumer research for the professor in that class just because I was really interested in this class and him as a professor. So I spent a semester doing that before um, I looked into this program and sort of thought this is a really good way to stand out if I want to get sort of involved in product management, CPG, just a more kind of consumer facing. And who was the professor? Uh, Ravi Mehta. Oh, okay. I heard yeah, he's I, he's I, a heard, yeah. marketing professor. Yeah. So he he did a lot of um, just interesting kind of consumer psychology type of research. So I just ha- I help facilitate some of those uh, uh, studies and stuff like that for a semester, which was 
really interesting just kind of to see more of the front side of kind of what innovation looks like essentially you know because a lot of what drew me to it just through uh, other internships too was a lot of innovation that's happening now it's not happening in r&d at the corporate level it's happening at universities hmm. top tier research universities like u of i so what do you mean by that what, what is an example of where just a lot of like a, like the like the research park at, at u of i ah, like okay. a, like a lot of companies are saying you know like they're um, like it takes so much time and resources out of them to fund R&D when universities are producing so much quality content. They're just like, and, and there's top minds, you know, in engineering and business and everything that, that's already housed at U of I. So they're essentially just, you know, they're just going directly to the source and they're like, this is basically going to be our incubator. So just a lot of, especially in, in tech specifically too, just in what I've seen from uh, some of the consulting internships that I did earlier on, just a lot of that is happening at, at top tier research universities. A lot of sort of the, you know, big time innovations that have come out in the last 15 to 20 years are, are coming out of those spaces. So just to kind of see just from a pure research perspective, um, like sort of how that process goes and sort of how that whole thing comes about, I thought was uh, really and that's, interesting. And that's interesting because, you know, if you're paying somebody in R&D who's going full time, it's yeah. going to be significantly higher. So you're going to have to do salaries, benefits, right. et cetera. Right. Versus if you can grab a student who's yeah. already working at it, who's interested in like being at the cutting edge and yeah. understanding what's yeah. going on, not only is it going to be cheaper, but that person's going to be way more motivated. They're not yeah. just doing it to keep themselves afloat, but they're right. doing it because they actually love it. Otherwise, yeah. they just go and do something else on campus or they build their own thing. Absolutely. So I yeah. think that's fascinating that they're creating a little incubator you know, within well, that. Well, I think you can especially appreciate that given the accelerator stuff that you did at, at yeah. UI as well. So I think you have a unique appreciation for that yourself. Definitely, definitely. I, um, I, I do think that the best time to try something like that out is to do it while you're in college or, while you're, or yeah. before you go full time. Yeah. Because even if the thing doesn't work out, and in this case, for me, it, it didn't um, for a multitude of reasons. The, the the reality is the amount of learning that I got and understanding how to create, how a business works and, and moreover, the pitfalls that you can run into and the traps you can run into um, is incredibly valuable for right now and trying to make things happen within my full-time role, right? There are things that I'm seeing now as opportunities in the market that are not necessarily something that I would have seen without that, ex without the experience of doing, of pursuing something, you know, that was its own startup, its own business, um, you know, and and I'm trying to give like a specific example. It's this whole space within with young professionals, right? Yeah. It's the idea that right now there's nothing out there that is actually providing insight as to what's going on day to day for somebody like us who's working in it right now yeah. and can give the, and has empathy for somebody who's in college, who's in high school, right. or who's just getting out of college and trying to figure out what they want to do with their life, right. or they've decided what they want to do, they think they know it, then they find out, wait a second, there's so much other stuff out there, but I have no idea what it, what invo it actually involves. Right. I just have this like high level job description, which the reality is a job <clears throat> description isn't telling you what actually goes into that role. And that's part of the reason why I ask people, you know, what what do you do day to day versus, yeah. you know, what is, yeah. you know, what is the industry known for? Because yeah. it's it's very diff. It typically can be very different. Right. Um, right. Absolutely. I don't know, do you have any thoughts on that? And <clears throat> yeah, definitely. I think the big the biggest pitfall, at least from just my experience in the last year, job searching before I landed this specific role, uh, like in just doing other reading on just sort of I guess how the job hunt goes for other people too is. I mean, job, like, job posts are just meant to be generic, pretty boilerplate, just give you a feel for, like, what the responsibilities might be, but not, they don't give you a feel for what the culture is, and you don't, and even if you think you like the responsibilities, you don't really know until you're in it, you know, in the trenches day to day, um, so, I mean, that it's just very, 
it, it can be very like deceiving potentially um, mm-hmm. it, with certain job posts because you just don't always know what you're getting. Um, well, and 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 you know we we discussed this earlier, and I was you know getting really you know passionate about it, which is that the reality is that there is a fundamental disconnect between what the actual jobs are when yeah. people come out of college right. and what they study. Yeah, we are we are telling kids. Why don't you invest 120 to 150k in an education? Yeah, and then from there you'll get out of college and you're going to do this job that you've been, you know, you've you've researched, but you don't necessarily know what goes into it. Yeah, and and then we're surprised when they have a quarter life crisis or when they in a year or a year and a half reevaluate and say, I can't stay here anymore. Yeah, and and the reality is that there's just nothing out there right now that's providing education, insight, actual yeah. practical knowledge on what a young professional does in different fields. Yeah. And that's why it's such a giant white space. It's not just for, you know, in the case of you, sports marketing or business analyst or working with a sports team. That's its own space within the whole white space. Yeah. A forensic account, like me, forensic accountants yeah. within accounting space, within financial services, within, you know, an accounting firm, you know, doing, um, you know, working with specifically in the niche of insurance. That's its own white space. Yeah. Because there's nothing out there right now. If I go and search up young professional, I might find myself. Like that's, and I'm yeah. not saying that like in a in a boasting, you know, pandering, like trying to peacock way. It's just saying how much opportunity there is, not just for you and me, but for everyone. Yeah. If they want to share that, you know, they're a product management person. If there's somebody who wants to share that they work within agile, if there's somebody who shares that they want to work that they work in manufacturing and they want to show what that is day to day, I think that's so incredibly valuable to that kid in high school who doesn't know what they want to do, to that person coming out of college who's, you know, debating which which career they want to go into. You know, I, I just I think that there's such a white space here that is is so open to everybody. Yeah. It's just a matter of are people going to execute? Are people going to not be so narrowly focused on like it's a, it's a, it's good to be focused on your career. I'm not saying don't do that, but I'm saying that you have the ability to provide insight and actual impact on people and show them what it's like. Why don't you take a little bit of time to just give that reflection at the end of the day or the end of the week or the end of the month and say this is what I did wrong. This is what I think, you know, people might want to know if they're going into the job. Not necessarily bad things, but maybe just things that you didn't know, and now yeah. you know it, and now that's somebody who knows it for when they go into their career, and how thankful they're going to be, and how you're going to probably see something when they say, "Hey, you know, I had no idea about this thing. I'm so glad that you gave me the heads up, and now I I knew, and I didn't make that same mistake, and it made me look really good, and yeah. it made me feel really good, and I really appreciate that. Right? You know, that 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 happens. That's a real thing, and yeah. I think that's what's going to happen if people take advantage of this opportunity which is that there's a huge white space for young professionals and there's a huge white space for the thing that you do, why not put something out there? Yeah, So Absolutely. after that, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't think that was gonna go into such a rant, but you know, I, we were yeah. talking about this earlier and it's something that I think is really important. Moving back on to, you know, you, you, went, you, you finished up U of I and yeah. then you went to Carnegie Mellon. What was the difference in the environment? Can you kind of compare and contrast and, and and you know tell us a little bit about like what that was like because you have I you know I think that it's no so it's no secret that it's kind of known for a work hard play hard culture yeah and Carnegie Mellon from what I've heard because I haven't experienced yeah. it and that's why I'm yeah. really interested to get your opinion you know what is the difference between you know a work hard play hard culture and then Carnegie Mellon which is kind of known for being you know a, a pretty prestigious school yeah absolutely it's um <clears throat> it's basically the difference between work hard play hard and just working hard and play is is it's not it's not as much yeah yeah it's it's kind of if you're if you're the type of person that sort of just you know you don't necessarily really feel like you want to be a part of the party atmosphere that sort of thing i mean they're really just it's much more academically driven the party environment just isn't as great like obviously the 
uh, fraternity sorority like culture there and just like sort of the layout of the campus in terms of bars and just that sort of thing it's more it's just a lot smaller school for one thing and then just the layout is more just kind of purely purely on the school and I mean you definitely have your opportunities because it's right kind of it sits right next to the University of Pittsburgh campus which obviously being a bigger school and um, it kind of has more of that atmosphere so it's definitely still there if you want to like partake in that there's still plenty of opportunity to do that I found people that were interested in doing that like outside of school hours and just you know just so I kind of was able to still find it but it was just it wasn't as often it was just not as commonplace as yeah it wasn't as well. um as uh <laughs> yeah it wasn't as epidemic right around right. The, around the entire environment yeah, yeah. yeah um, definitely absolutely uh I, I am curious uh you know now that did you do any internships before going full-time um and before going to carnegie yeah yeah okay. so i i worked actually at um <clears throat> uh remotely as like a game design and marketing intern for like a startup that out of uh, mit over okay. last summer so oh, wow. it was okay. a, it was a lot of like kind of like research related to like game development and just sort of um how to basically tailor the positioning of the product to like be potentially like an education gaming sort of thing so oh, i was doing okay. a lot of research on the education gaming space helping them understand like who the key stakeholders were whether it's a superintendent of a school district or a principal hmm. or you know how much influence teachers have on um uh you know the curriculum decisions and stuff like that oh, and, that's then, fascinating. and then also just like the general size of the overall market just finding general industry-wide uh, okay. statistics so i feel like that's that's incredibly valuable <laughs> experience because now you know okay well when i go and do that research so that i know that research how to do that research for the education space yeah i can it's not that you now know how the sports space works yeah but now you know what that process is yeah of what you have to research right and, what, and why it's important right to understand now how to apply that same process to sports marketing yeah which then gives you a a unique advantage to all of your peers and all of your all the people who are competing with you for the same positions or the right. same opportunities so I, I think that that's something that's another thing that I think you know to our point talking about like working in a startup you you get so many like and, and this really does come down a little bit to you know what's your ambition and what, how much do you actually want to learn versus what's your execution right you can say that you want to build the biggest startup or do, do the have the biggest impact in your role but the reality is the, the the delta and the variable is your execution of that ambition. Right. And so and so in your case, right, you know, you you went out and you really tried to figure out who the key stakeholders were, how that curriculum affected it. You can apply that same process now to sports marketing. Yeah. Um, and and so I think that's incredibly valuable and something that you know somebody uh, somebody who's about to be unprofessional or who's a college undergrad or who's a high schooler might want to know is that even if you might if you even if you aren't successful in that startup or if you're not successful in that internship position, you learn things that you can now apply and right. be incredibly, you know, <laughs> exponentially more successful because Absolutely. you had that experience of failure and, and trying to learn it yeah. versus somebody who may have had it easy, yeah. right? In that they didn't have to fail and now when they get when they reach adversity yeah. in their full time role, they don't know how to deal with it. Yeah. And you've learned how to cope with it because you're the one who actually went through and did that. Yeah. Back in the internship. Yeah. Yeah. Not only that too, like in the in in my grad program too, with just working with people from different backgrounds and on like similar projects where it's essentially a startup type type environment, you're trying to build something from the ground up over the course of a semester. You really do have to kind of like um the, the biggest thing too, especially in a startup environment, is just being able to work with people who think differently from you and just kind of mm -hmm. trying to work through those struggles. Um, it's definitely something that like I came to appreciate over the last yeah essentially year just between that internship and through grad school just sort of pushing through all those challenges of trying to make something cool and innovative it, it, right. it you hear all the buzzwords and everything like when something's successful but you know until you're living the day-to-day -day of like what what it's like to be work just trying to like build like build something it, it's it's really hard and you like you only hear the success stories how about the at, at, to your point I think yeah. the 
like, what do you think about this statement? Entrepreneurship is romantic to people who haven't actually executed on it. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Because once it you, sounds great. Yes. And and it's something that people like to put in their, you know, in their profile or in their resumes. Yeah. But the reality is that once you actually get down to doing and and by the way, like I love that part of it where it's hard because then I'm learning so much more right. than if it was easy or if I if it just kind of came into your lap. Yeah. Um do you think that entrepreneurship is something that you want to pursue later on in your career after you've kind of gotten some years under your belt and some experience? Or is it something that you, you know, it was, it was a good thing when you were doing it, but now you want to focus on the corporate world kind of which, which, and, and it doesn't necessarily be that you have to be one or the other, but yeah. I'm curious, you know, where do you, where do you see yourself in those two? At least much? right now, I think the biggest thing for me is like adjusting to like, obviously like the work world to sort of see, just sort of learning where my niche is really and sort of, but if, if there ever came a time where if I, you know, say like, I don't know if you and me happen to come up with just some just right. amazing, outstanding <laughs> idea that just like we both were super invested in and we both wanted to see like how, how it, you know, that we, we really were like believed in that we can make it work. Yeah. I a hundred percent like with, you know, with, uh, would be, I think confident um, in taking that dive right. if that point ever came along. It's not something I would necessarily, um, I guess like be searching for like at the outset, but like I would always be, I'm open to it and always something that I would consider in, in the future of just the opportunity was there. Presented itself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Um, when, now that you've, you know, kind of graduated and you've started working, um, at, at, you know, full time, uh, you know, in the city, um, and then in the birds as well, what are some of the things that you either were obstacles or things that you just straight up learned that you didn't realize coming out of college that, that you think would be incredibly helpful for somebody who's still in college but doesn't know what the real world is like. Yeah, I think the biggest adjustment, at least just from my, you know, humble experience at this point, I, I think the biggest adjustment's just the, the nine the nine to five from mm -hmm. coming from college where you're doing odd hours all the time and just, I mean the amount I I don't I don't nap anymore. <laughs> yeah, day, yeah, so. exactly, exactly. So <laughs> yeah. you realize how long the day can really yeah. be when you, you you're not waking up at noon or one or two PM. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So and um just the I, I guess just working within kind of an organizational structure and just sort of um, like learning sort of how to um, adapt to like whatever the culture is wherever you're working sure. and just sort of how to work with different people just because you have to work with people who've been there for you know maybe only a few months to you know 10 to 20 years you mm -hmm. know maybe even more depending on where you're working. Do so, you see generational differences sometimes between you trying to report somebody who's maybe 20 years your senior but then versus somebody who's five years your senior do you feel like there's big differences there? Um, and if so, what is the way that you try to navigate that? Are you just trying to kind of always, I'll, I'll let you answer, how are you trying to kind of navigate those waters? Yeah, I think a lot of, um, it, it kind of depends on a lot of, uh, a lot of my role, I guess, specifically is sort of very individually driven, I guess, at this point. So a lot of, um, I kind of try to more, I guess, like for just kind of every day, just sort of stuff that I'm doing, I would tend to sort of seek out more junior level people who kind okay. of have, I guess, been there more recently and it's still mm -hmm. sort of a part of their day to day versus like obviously my boss who has like, you know, a million things going on. That and, and, that, and that kind of leans back to the whole point yeah. of like the young professional space, right? right. Is that there's nothing yeah. out there for people yeah. who are really, you know, who, who have just like literally just been through it within one or two years yeah. or who are going through it right now because right. that's the type of yeah. stuff where you'd say, Okay, well, I can't go because the people who are and and we talked about this a little Very bit in a previous yeah. in previous discussion is that you know the people who then who who may be creating the educational systems that are then implemented in an organization may be way too removed, aka they're fifteen to twenty years 
you know, into their career. Yeah. And they may not even remember what it was like to be an associate starting out. Yeah. They may, they may like think in their head, oh, this is what it was like. But the reality is you, it's been so long and the, the environment and the, um, uh, this, the the market is so different. Right? Yeah. 15, 20 years ago, I mean, we, it was weren't even, we didn't have cell phones. <laughs> yeah. or, or maybe we were just having like the early cell phones. Yeah. I'm not sure on the date. So, but, but my point is that it's just a completely different, you know, it's a completely different ball game. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, for yeah. a sports reference because yeah. it, it's, you're not really being empathetic because you can't be. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't expect somebody who is so far removed in their career to understand what it's like to be a young professional again. Yeah. At the same time, I wouldn't expect a young professional to understand what it's like to be a manager because they haven't experienced it. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's the same. Like, you can look at it both, both ways, ways, right? Definitely. Like, I, I'm going to be much more, um, I'm going to trust much more the opinion of somebody who's 35 to 40, who's, who's you know, 15 to 20 years in their career and, you know, is in maybe like a manager, senior manager, or like part or, or managing director role. Right, they may know way more about that role than me going and asking a young professional. Like, what do they know? Right, right? of doing that type of role, and I feel like it's the same thing. It just doesn't feel like it because they've actually experienced it. Yeah. But the reality is, there's just such a, a big gap. In, yeah. In that, and when they were going through it day to day, yeah. That I'm I'm not sure that that advice. It, it there still may be valuable advice, but it may not be as valuable as somebody who's going through it. Right. So that's why. And right. I feel like I'm beating a dead horse. But you, you get what I, I, think, I mean. <clears throat> I think that that's a bit. I think it's still um, definitely like helpful just to like for people that are in a position you're aspiring to be in, like talk to those people and just sort of see like you know maybe get a feel for like what they recall about their journey and sort of key and oh definitely. Moments. I'm, I'm not saying yeah. don't go to people and yeah and, and yeah get an understanding no, of, for sure. of what their careers were like because yeah. you'll get so many insights from yeah. that. I'm just saying if you're trying to find out what it's what it's actually like, like yeah. how it feels and right, you know what are some of the mistakes that can really be made, you know, from a tech, from not even from, I guess from a technical standpoint as well, yeah. you know, that it, I don't know if that's necessarily the best right. resource. Yeah, um, no, no, for sure. Or if that resource <laughs> even exists yet, right? Which right. is why we're doing this, so, yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing is just, you know, re, like just reaching out to people in general, but just taking sort of, I mean, cause there's multiple ways you can get to, I mean, I'm a testament of that. Like the way I got into sports is very unconventional just generally and everyone takes their own path. So just, and just listening and learning from people, just, you know, listen to them, see what really sticks in the back of your mind a day or two later, and then just sort of, you know, try to build that into what you're doing in terms of your career path. And you said unconventional way. We were discussing kind of cold emailing yeah. um, as being one one path, but what were some of, like, if you could pick three or to five things, right, that you would put in your cold emails that yeah. you would recommend that somebody do today if they yeah. want to go and get opportunities in the sports marketing yeah. space? What would be some of those recommendations? What are some of those tips that you learned the hard way, so to speak? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just always making sure you're, you're first of all, like, don't ask some person for a job because that's not what LinkedIn is. Like, LinkedIn cold yep. emailing is for. Obviously, it has a, the job tab you can apply for. But in just reaching out to somebody, the biggest thing is keep the focus on, like, wanting to start a conversation, learn more about them, their career, that sort of thing, and just sort of, um, only like at least at the outset only just giving sort of a brief description of like you know you're like you want to you know that you're like an aspiring you know so-and-so product manager or marketing manager whatever it is mm -hmm. um, you know I, I would love to learn more about your experience at XY company you know mm -hmm. just stuff like that because people are very you know receptive to especially like students like people are very especially if you went to the same university as them people are very receptive to wanting to you know give the insights about their career and how they got where they got so they're always willing to you know, offer that sort of, you know, um, 
the sort of the, the foot in the door sort of mm-hmm. thing in terms of just helping you learn and sort of figure out like you know what you want in terms of how to position yourself on a resume and in an interview um, and just sort of learning more about like the type, types of roles you even want to want to pursue this is in the same light of kind of cold meeting somebody but and but but it's outside of the email framework um, some career fairs right yeah I think that one of the biggest hacks that I figured out on my own, and, and it was just from trial and error of, of, yeah. of experiencing and going through eight career, or I think I think it ended up being six or seven career fairs because once I had the full-time offer with BDO, I didn't end up going to the career fair, the, the one or two career fairs during my master's or senior year. But the, the most fundamental question that allowed me to have the most opportunity was I would ask that person, let me, let me paint the picture for you. Everybody coming in there and they're like robots, they give the resume and then they say, yeah. hi, my name is X, Y, my name is X. Yeah. I, I'm a Y student, you know, freshman, uh, sophomore, junior, senior, master student. I've worked here, here, and here. Um, what opportunities do you have? Right? Like that, yeah. that kind of robotic interaction. Yeah. And so what I would do is I would try to make it as an organic of an interaction as possible. And the best way that I did that was I would ask them, how was your trip down here? Yeah. It was that simple question <clears throat> and framing it in a way where it's almost nonchalant. And yeah. not like you don't care, but like nonchalant in that like we're having a conversation, you're meeting me, I'm meeting you. Yeah. It's not about, you know, me being a robot and telling you exactly what jobs I'm looking for because I know you know I'm already here for that. Yeah. So why don't we just have a conversation and I get to know you a little bit better so I can right. figure out is this culture right for me and am I the right person for your culture? Right. Absolutely. Um, Definitely. So so I think that that's one hack that people can really do is yeah. just go up to them and actually try to make an organic interaction. You can steal that line. Like go and ask them like how was your trip down here? They're going to say, "Man, it sucked. There were 6 hours of traffic to get to a 3 hour, you know, it's, <coughs> typically it's 2 hours 40 minutes to get to U of I." And, right. You know, that's if you're not speeding. Yeah. You know, it was took us 6 hours. Thanks for asking. It was a yeah. you know, it was an awful trip. Yeah. Um, but at least, you know, you're, you're the first person, you know, I've had so many so, responses to that right. that have led to really genuine good conversations right. that I don't think I would have had without without using that. Yeah, definitely. Um, anything from career fairs that you can remember uh, that, that you use? I, I know that it's one of those things that, you know, it's tough to differentiate because yeah. everybody's doing the same thing. They're all there for the same reason. Right. Um, but yeah, I think definitely any way you can try to um, – because I, I know in going to career fair myself, especially as a natural introvert myself, and I kind of had those painful experiences, especially early on, just sort of – Oh, and I did too. Um, I, like, I'm saying, like, yeah. I learned the hard way yeah. like, to yeah. get to that point yeah. where I was like, oh, yeah, okay, but sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, no, just, just kind of, like, I, like, feeling that pressure of really, like, you, you just need to, like, do whatever you can to kind of diffuse that sort of internal pressure that can build up in a situation like that where, you know, it's already a super competitive environment. And you, and and you made me think of the next thing, which is yeah. that if they have, like, a pin on or if they have, right. or if they're wearing, like, a special, like, a... yeah. Anything you can find. If you see, yeah. like, their bag has a sticker on it, or, like, yeah. their laptop has a sticker on it that they're using, and you're yeah. like, oh, wait, you're a fan of the St. Louis Cardinals? Yeah. I didn't know there was any Cardinals fans. It's, you know, yeah. everybody's a Cubs or a right. White Sox fan. Right, And then now, all of a sudden, you're talking about sports <laughs> versus trying to talk about something that, you know, the, the jobs, which is, like, yeah. I, I think is kind of, like, the the easiest way to just get a, this is the jobs that we have open, nice meeting you, here's my, here's my card. You know, right, right. Instead yeah. of the oh, like you, you love this team. I had no idea. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. So I, th- I think that that's that's good, good advice for career fairs. Um, anything else that you can think of that you think would be valuable to somebody who's maybe an undergrad or a high school senior, um, or somebody who's just out of college, maybe wants to get into sports marketing. I would say the biggest thing, at least for for me, is just especially for someone like me who honestly I'm still not sure long term you know where I want to go what I want to be doing especially during um undergrad just especially in summers with internships all those summers that you have 
like don't feel the pressure to like take you know like a path where like you work at the same company and then just take a a like i know that's like kind of the safe way that a lot of people kind of subscribe to but i think you're doing yourself a bit of a disservice in that you can take all those summers to kind of like do different jobs and sort of learn different things like two like two years ago like i were i got to like i did like a social media internship where i got to do a lot of like you know twitter posts and media copies just i was like basically writing about something i was passionate about about sports again so nice so like it was just like something that i like think back to and like even now like i'm I'm still thinking like you know like i kind of really like that you know creative angle what in my Mm -hmm. day-to-day job how can i sort of institute those skills to kind of benefit my you know day-to-day job with Mm -hmm. data you know Mm -hmm. like it might come up in the storytelling that i'm maybe doing like um, with with the data that I'm analyzing on, on any given week, but just I think just at the biggest thing with college and in, in the job search and internship search too is just always continue like learning more about yourself, take a chance on opportunities that maybe you know feel not quite as safe, you know, and just I mean because you'll I think ultimately you'll get where you're meant to go, and it'll be because you took those chances and learned what really is your path. That you won't get by being safe, quote unquote, in college. You know? I, I think that was fantastic advice. Yeah. Hey, I, I don't really have much else, so if I, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. I yeah, think anytime, that was I did. Beneficial. Um, yeah. What'd you think? Did you feel good? Yeah. No, it was good. I. A lot of it, it's it's a good reflection and stuff that maybe you think about, but you don't fully articulate it. It's something that you know you maybe just think about in passing when things happen, but it helps put everything in perspective yeah. a little bit in terms of where I've been, where I want to go. I really liked your parting words. Like yeah. I thought that that was actually incredibly valuable yeah. because I think that a lot of people um, will will end up choosing to go a route of like this big corporation or this big yeah. you know tech company. Yeah. And but in reality, like deep down, they know that they want to go elsewhere. Yeah. But they chose that other one because either their parents or their friends were going there. Right. And they said, "Shit, if they're doing that." I should go too. Yeah. Like I, I got to do what. There's a ton what, of peer pressure with it. It is, and I think that if if there's one piece of advice that is incredibly valuable is that if you follow your peers, you will get the same benefits and rewards that come with that. And the reality is, it may not be for it, you. It may not be for you. It may be the same. You know, um, it it may be like the the same result, which is that you just end up working. You know. I say go and try that other thing because you may find out that you love it, you're passionate about it, and you're better than everybody else in the industry because you actually are going to be happy to spend that yeah. at 50, yeah. 60, 70 hours a week. That's And the you're going to excel yeah. where if you had gone to that other job, you would have done 40 hours a week, been miserable, been praying for that clock to hit five, for it to hit 5 o'clock on a Friday so that you can get out of there and go, you know, go to your escapism during the weekend. So you know, to that point, I think that finding what you what – you, it may not even be what you're passionate or what you love because you don't know. Like I don't know that about you know. I love the the impact that my job is right, but I don't know if I necessarily want to do it for the rest of my life. I think right. that the expectation that a 23, 24, 25 year old or a 22 year old is going to know that is yeah. bonkers. I mean, that's just out of this world. Doesn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah. And 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 you know, third of all, going and trying out that thing could end up being the the spark that makes you have extraordinary results right because you've decided to do something that's yeah. more along your passion rather than what your parents wanted you to do what your friends wanted you to do what they did you know what yeah you know your girlfriend boyfriend whoever you know it is might want you to do so i just th- i thought that was really valuable so yeah thanks for sharing that thanks for taking the time man. that no was problem. that was really awesome anytime dude yeah um i'm always down that i mean that the the point that you made about 
like, I don't know, I still don't know if this is the right thing for me in this space. Like, that point, that was, like, that's exactly the whole thing. That's why the young professional space is such a white space, because nobody expects you to know it. Like, the pe like, and the other side of it, too, is that there's gonna be people who are, like, 20, 30, 40 years into their career, maybe C-suite, right? They're gonna get insights about young professionals that they would have never had before. Which is, which means that you're not only providing value to people who are in high school, going into college, college, going into young professional, young professionals who are still figuring it out, but also every level above because they don't know how an associate or a senior associate thinks and it changes from each generation, right? Millennial is different from Gen Y, Gen X. So it's, it's giving insights to like the entire, you know, kind of um, vertical of people who, who are, who are in different positions and in different industries, right? Like somebody might be like, somebody might be an accountant at, you know, at, at, you know, a, an accounting firm, but they, and they're putting out one of these like young professional videos, but then there might be like a financial services person who like needs help with some accounting services. And now you're easily, you're creating an opportunity just by telling your story, regardless of whether or not it's, you know, going to work out or if it's accurate or if it's you being an expert in your space, which nobody, again, nobody expects that, but they might see that and it creates an, a business development opportunity for you to be able to sell work. Right? So the reason why I'm telling people like this is such a white space and it's and it's for each of your own niches of what you're doing right now is because there's there's benefit to every person in the ecosystem not just that high school senior who's going to end up graduating but also that C-suite executive who has no idea how a young professional thinks and they're having tur like turnover issues right like you're for example in the accounting world there's I've seen that there's been a lot more turnover than even in typically from what I've seen in the past, at least from you know my research. And I believe a lot of that has to do with the fact that the internet has now reached scale. In other words, what I think is happening is that kids with the glass door, not just glass door, but also just having the internet being able to reach out to people through Reddit, through other social media functions, are figuring out that, wait a second, I don't have to kill myself to make this 80, 90 hour week into the you know tax deadline or the audit deadline. You know, I don't have to do that. I can go and work like a, a regular financial services job and not have to put myself through that. Same thing with investment banking, I'm seeing that same trend. It's that kids are getting burnt out and then they're realizing, wait a second, I don't know if I necessarily want to keep doing this. It happened in the past, but now there's internet at scale. So people are more people are seeing it and they're seeing it sooner in their careers. And I think that that's gonna create a potential downfall for, not downfall, but a potential issue, a huge issue, right? For these audit and tax practices who who need to have associates and senior associates that work those hours, but they're running out of the supply, right? Yeah. They're all going elsewhere because they're realizing, wait a second, I don't have to do this anymore. I think that that's going to be a thing that's going to sneak up on the accounting industry, and we, I'll be very interested how it plays out. The the one thing, the saving grace might be a financial meltdown, and 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 I say that it's funny, right? Like, yeah. why would a, an accounting firm or a financial services firm wish for a meltdown? And I think the reason why is because then people who are young professionals who are going into other jobs or quitting their jobs and trying to do their own thing are going to be like, wait a second, I might struggle to find a job. I don't know if I can actually make this side hustle or this entrepreneur thing work. Yeah. I'm going to go back and get that job or I'm going to stay or people are going to stay within those, you know, roles where they're kind of burning out a little bit because they're like, wait a second, people are struggling to get jobs. I need to be able to support myself and pay rent. Right. I may say in this. So that's the, I think that might be the saving grace. But if there's no financial meltdown and you're starting to lose the supply of the people of the associates and senior associates working in your practice to be able to go through those busy seasons, 
that might create an issue in the ecosystem. So it, it could potentially be a good thing though for them to it would cause them to instigate them to change so that they could you know get um, you know in like reduce the turnover issues because they could change the work situation just give people reasons to stay instead of giving them reasons to leave. Yes, yes. To a degree, anyway. I, I, know, I know the hours yeah. are long, and that's just yeah. the nature of the job. I, but, but I, I, I see, I, I thought the same. I mean, that's, re- that's like a reasonable thing to think. Yeah. I'm wondering, and I don't know this for a fact, but like from, from talking to people at different firms, right? Both, you know, big four and outside of the big four. From talking to them, it seems like their managers and senior managers still think that this is the, like, it's the norm technically because it always happens. There's always yeah. that turnover of kids who get burnt out and don't want to keep working. The yeah. problem is that I think that they think it's typical and the reality is it's not as typical as it was because now there's internet at scale. Yeah. People are seeing this in such a, in the masses, right? Yeah. Seeing this happen. Yeah. And so it's, it's different. And by the time that they recognize that trend, my concern is that it'll be already be too late. People will be like tax or audit, you know, screw that. I'm not going to put myself through something like that. And and I don't know if the same thing's going to happen with investment banking because I don't know that industry as well. I don't I'm not I don't have as much ground level data, but I'm also seeing the early signs of that too. I don't know if it's going to happen. I think that a financial meltdown is going to be a huge incentive for people to stay in those jobs. But if a financial meltdown does, doesn't happen and they keep losing the supply of these kids, what are they going to do? Yeah. It's a strong question. So, got to give people a rewarding and yeah. livable situation that people aren't willing to sacrifice the work-life balance yeah okay let me shut this thing off <laughs> i feel like one, one more thing so so i what i was saying was that i'm i'm i'm, I'm putting out these videos right now I'm, I'm lucky that i'm getting dms and they're like hey this really helped me i actually yeah. found that incredibly interesting i didn't know that that specific job is what people like what that job actually meant and what people do like yeah. for example technology technology risk is something where it's basically like it um it's basically the the audit uh, version the accounting world audit version of IT yeah. right and figuring out hey is this password actually correct do people have the right authority etc but my point is that I put out videos and gotten those DMs where it's been like really good and I've gotten a lot of feedback I've also put them out where I've literally gotten almost nothing and I'm telling you I feel good about those DMs but I feel just as good about the thing that gets no views because I know that in the in the long term in that 20 30 40 year dealt like long run vision that just doing it and having things on record of people in these specific roles is gonna be so valuable in its whole, the sum of its parts rather than just individually, yeah. as well as just the fact that I feel good about putting it out there. Like this is this is the truth. Like it's not like we're manufacturing our experience. Like this is just us talking about our experience as young professionals to help out people who are that high school senior who's trying to figure it out or that, that undergrad who just doesn't know what they want to do and they have no, no um, no resource to find out, you know, what is that thing that, that people are doing right now within that specific field. Definitely. So like, so my, the point, the moral of the story is that like both of them feel the exact same way to me. Like I feel really good about the one that gets no view, like that gets like, you know, however many views and no interactions, no likes to the one where I'm getting DMs from people who are saying, wow, that was really helpful. I wasn't sure about like this, doing this side thing. And now I kind of want to go and try it because I'm seeing somebody who is successful with it and then they turned their side hustle into their full time when they were in a position to be able to do it, right? Or they were they moved in that corporate role and they weren't sure about it because their parents said, hey, I want, you know, you should be going and being a doctor, you should go and be an accountant, you should go and be a lawyer. But then I saw somebody who looks just like me and has the same background as me and they were able to do it. So now I wanna go and try it because I actually love doing that and I hate doing this thing, but I'm being forced to do that thing and I actually wanna go and pursue that thing 
And because that person actually showed me that they did it, fuck yeah, I want to do it. So. Damn right. Okay. All right. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> no worries, man. I think that doing these types of interviews, because this is literally like we said before, this is something that we would have done anyway. We yeah. would have done dinner. We would have caught up. We would have talked about stuff that were like fundamentally really helpful insights yeah. that nobody would find out about. Like. Not that nobody would find out about that. There are people who do not have that same opportunity because they're maybe introverted or they don't have as wide of a network. Yeah. And that, by the way, that's the whole point here is that like I'm lucky that I have a network. You have friends, and you know we're friends. We're trying to use leverage our networks to be able to say, hey, this is the stuff that we're learning from each other. Yeah. Why are we holding that to ourselves? Yeah. Everybody should have that knowledge and yeah. be able to know what's going on. And then whoever executes best should be the person who's actually able to go and get the benefits and the fruits of that labor. Yeah. The reality is that because you and I were afforded, you know, uh, pr you know, some privileges and luxuries of being able to go to a great school, you know, yeah, we worked hard and yeah, we, you know, put ourselves in a position to get those opportunities. But the reality is that we did have some innate privileges of being yeah. able to be in that position. And so why are we getting that, you know, not imparting, you know, some of the same knowledge that we're learning and that we've learned to be able to give everybody that opportunity. So whoever executes best actually gets the, to my point, fruits of the labor, and it's a meritocracy, right? That the people who actually have the merit to do well and and and, and achieved it actually get the the benefits. Um, what was I saying earlier? Oh, so when I'm interviewing people, right? Like, or when I'm chatting with people, as I would like if it was a dinner or a lunch, it's actually making me more comfortable talking in front of a camera than it was, you know, five months ago or a year ago. Yeah. And I I also care less about how it's gonna come out because. You know, worst worst case scenario, I can edit it, but the reality is, I'll probably just put out the raw footage, right? Because it's just I I know that's my truth. I know that I feel good about putting that out there, but it's just the the action of doing it. It's practice, and and you know how you shoot a ball, and it's like so awkward that first time, yeah, right? Or if you're writing cursive, right? It's yeah. so hard that first time. You're looking at every letter and figuring it out yeah. how to write it, versus doing it so much that now you're just going at it or you're shooting the ball so so careless, you know, so freely that it doesn't affect you anymore. I think that's exactly what's going on with the, me talking on these interviews. And I think it's actually gonna get easier because I'm doing more videos. So it's like practice yeah. makes, you know, practice right. makes perfect, but in this case, practice is just making it happen, period. Yeah. Right? Just making <laughs> it way easier. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. All right. Okay. That's, okay. Yeah, that's fine. So, so, what, so what we were just talking about was that, you know, the, what were we just talking about? Oh, that, that you know, somebody was coming up to me and they were saying, yeah. you know, I articulated to them that this is a white space because there's so many kids who don't know what they want to do. Yeah. But if but they if they had some resource to look at and get insights of what's actually going on in the real world of all yeah. of the young professionals in the different industries and in the different specific jobs within those industries. Yeah. Then they're then they're gonna there's gonna be such an upside for everybody who actually contributes to that space. And they're like, David, why are you telling everybody? Like, why don't you keep that to yourself, execute on it, and then go and reap all the benefits without getting other people? And I'm like, and to your point, you, you literally got ahead of this, which is that because the space is so big, I couldn't possibly do everything. I can't tell a kid how to get into sports marketing. I may know some, a couple of things from researching, but I don't know what that space is like on a day-to-day. -day. You do. That means that there's an opportunity for people in sports marketing and accounting, computer engineering, tech, uh, manufacturing, electronics, consumer electronics, you know, there's just so much opportunity. And the reality is that the only reason why people aren't taking advantage of that opportunity might be because they just don't know about it. Yeah. Like they don't realize that, okay, well, I'm not an expert. I'm not an expert in manufacturing. What could I contribute to that as an associate or as an entry level worker at, you know, a big manufacturing plant? 
the reality is you have the most to contribute because yeah. you're starting out your career now and you could have so much of the, like so many learnings, so many things that happen in your career where then in a 10 to 20 year long-term, you know, um, you know, in 10 to 20 years, you could literally show your entire journey and then show this young professional, hey, this is what I learned in my entire profession. How about you take that and get on second and a half base so that you can then be incredibly successful, do what I did in five years and, and actually contribute something amazing to this world that benefits so many people. Right. And, and maybe it's not like, okay, like that's a romantic vision, but maybe you just help somebody get, for, you know, now instead of taking 20 years to get to the same level you did, you help them get there in 15. Yeah. That in and of itself is gonna make you feel so good in your heart. And two, it's, it's, it's back to the point of, I couldn't possibly talk about manufacturing. I can't talk about sports marketing. But getting more people involved, and you said this, so I'm, I, I don't want to take. If you want to go and, and say it again, you know, it's that it's that the entire ecosystem benefits from each individual environment, right? Within that ecosystem, there's different parts of that um, food chain, different parts of that different environments within that ecosystem that can contribute to a, a huge knowledge base that now covers all industries. Now they're not just getting forensic accountant and sports marketing and this manufacturing person; they're getting sports marketing. Uh, accounting, manufacturing, technology, industrial design, all of these different places uh, coming from young professionals who are working within it day to day and they have the benefit of being able to choose now based off of their education versus beforehand they're going into all this debt, paying all this tuition to then say what the hell do I want to do with my life and they didn't have those resources to figure it out before they then took on that debt. Definitely. So. Anything to add that, to that? That the the biggest thing with figuring that out. That's why I think really a big part of a, so many schools have those research parts with different com different companies there now. I feel like it should almost be institutionalized like through like an elective class that maybe you take like during your last two years. Maybe do like like twice, once, like however many times it would be advantageous. But to me, almost like every semester, just getting to like work at a different company. In Wait, one could of you those... imagine if like the college uh, education system and the, the education system puts out literally one elective saying, like, call it like figuring out what you want to do with the rest of your life, right? Yeah. They bring in every week, they bring in five young professionals or five people in different stages of their career. So not just yeah. a young, not just an associate, but an associate, a manager, a director, a partner, and a head of practice, yeah. right? If they can do it, right? That's tough to ask for those people. But I yeah. think that if you schedule it right, you know, you could you could be able to do it. Get them to share each of their experiences at each level, so that they can like they could even like be like, oh, you know, this associate's working on this, but this is how it <laughs> turns out. Like this is what you work on once you get past that point. You know, once you get past manager and to director, now you're actually going in client facing, and then you're actually going and selling this type of work. And this is one of the projects that we work on right now. Right. And then and then the the, the you know that's you know when speakers come in. But then the, the the actual bulk of the class, the homework is you go and watch videos on people who are actually within that space. And now in week one, you've learned industrial design. Maybe on week two, you learn, you learn sports marketing. Week three, you learn accounting. Week four, you, you, you learn investment banking, yeah. right? How beneficial that would be, right? With Definitely. one elective, right? That's, Definitely. you know, how a 16 week course, you're learning about 16 different industries that actually have a monumental you, practical benefit. You could, you could almost like do it like in stages, like your freshman year could be like that where you're sort of getting introduced to these industries Then maybe like in the next year, like with those similar types of people, you get an opportunity to do like a job shadow or something like that. Yeah. And then maybe in year three, you start to maybe do some kind of just basic level like work, like sort of like an internship or whatever, like during the year is like an elective sort of thing, just like so that you're getting real experience like 
doing something like while in college and it's something you can point to on your resume other than just like an academic project or you know whatever extracurriculars you did or, 100%. Or, or, or something like that so i feel like almost that it, that 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 partnership that's already there could be expanded yeah, to your in, point, into the academic space to your yeah. point going up to somebody at a career fair and saying oh I don't just know what's actually going on in your industry, or I don't. I didn't just research, you know, the night before. Yeah. What does your company? You know, <laughs> yeah. What's your company's yeah. uh, mission statement? Yeah. It's. I actually went through this course, and on week week three, yeah. I found this director, and he explained to me that this manufacturing role, they were able to go in and basically reassess their entire internal um, supply chain system, and I loved it. If you could t- articulate that to somebody who's who's giving way to send out a career fair for sure. Exactly. Easy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Any any way you can take the academic experience from being more theoretical just on the books and making it more ex, as much experiential stuff as you can fit in there in the classroom as a part of your curriculum of like what you're doing beyond just extracurriculars and other stuff that you may or may not be interested in or just may not even know exists or be able to take advantage of, mm-hmm. um, I think is super advantageous because yeah. it just helps you stand out and you get learn that much more during those early years when really the biggest thing the college can give you is opportunity to learn. So, yep, yep. And to your, yeah. you know, the, the first point you made, which was that, you know, the parallel right there, right, between young professionals being told the job description and what, you know, the romantic story about what it's like to be in that industry versus yeah. the practical, what's actually going on in it. Yeah, is, is, it's it's in line with that. That's why about I, that's why the, it'd be good yeah. as a part of the program to like get get the day to day, not just them coming in to talk to you, but you do job shadows. You get some like even like and like just sort of on the job experiences somehow like during your college years, like while you're in school. I think it, it just will help people to m- help them make the right decision. Theory, practical understanding, yeah. and being able to articulate that. I yeah. really think that the the the, the you delta gotta, you gotta is have, just you, so you got, giant. They're, they're both beneficial but you got to have the synergy like the intersection of both right, right to really be a to maximize the value of the whole thing yeah for sure Definitely. man that was awesome <laughs> okay in in the effort of continuing to keep keeping you here longer the the <laughs> you just said something which was that you're in the kind of this big linkedin group where you know people are reaching yeah. out and they're asking hey you know i want to get more into maybe sports marketing side or yeah. you know, more of the technical side or yeah. they're more on the business side you're more on the kind of consumer centric side yeah i think that's such a huge tactic for people who want to actually do better with networking and, and opening up opportunities is find people outside of your space, yeah. not in your space, because the, the 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 delta there is one or not the delta, but the 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 ROI of that is one. You learn about that space, you learn things about it that you wouldn't have otherwise known, which means that the next time you meet somebody in that space, you can actually speak on it. It's not you saying, "Oh, that's cool," "Oh, that's interesting," like when in reality you have no idea what they're talking about or what they're, where they're coming from. The other side of it is that if you do end up wanting to start your own thing, or if you do end up wanting to switch career paths, now you know somebody in a space that you might be interested in. Or you might meet that sixth person who's outside your specific space of you know, sports marketing, but that sixth person that you met that was outside of it is working in a space that you want to get into. Right. And so those, those benefits are incredibly valuable and a good reason why you should not just, because people like sticking in their own cliques, right? They like sticking within the people in the business school. They like sticking with people in the engineering school if they're an engineer, and business school if they're a business school student, or an accounting student, or a marketing student. People like to stick in their cliques, and I think that's the, the biggest missed opportunity, is that you can actually have such a, a, a bigger impact in your networking opportunities and the business opportunities in the rest of your life if you're able to meet people outside of your specific niche. Because it's this, it's the same reason why, I, like, in high school, right? I knew the kids who were like super popular, 
but they would actually go and you know hang out with the people who were more you know maybe on the nerdy side or they were more on like the punk rock side and that kid was the most popular and had the most opportunity to go to different events and and meet people because they were in so many different spaces the same thing applies in the business world you don't just stick to engineering because and and you could right and you can make a great career but you could have so many more impacts if as an engineer you're meeting business people marketing people people in the in the technology space because now you can talk on different spaces yeah. where others cannot where other engineers can't which Definitely. means that now you're more desirable you're more marketable and you are way more dangerous in whichever space you choose Definitely any way you can expand your skill set, which is kind of the core of the grad program that I did. Like that, like any way that you can do that, it doesn't have to be through education, but just in diversifying your network, like what you mentioned, or just like doing a side job that's expanding your skill set in a certain way. I think any way you can do that, especially early on, it's only going to benefit you because the broader base you have, it opens up more opportunities and more mm -hmm. ways to advance yourself in the business world for sure. Right, and so and that's and to your, you mentioned this is like not getting pigeon. You didn't want to get pigeonholed early on, and I think that's a great example of why you don't want to be. Yeah, is that you know you said man I I want there's to so many ways you can change over the course of your life and it's just like you don't want to just be stuck you know working in a specific space that you know you don't know what's going to be good for you a year two five ten twenty years from now so yeah just really like you know giving yourself as many opportunities as you can not not only through the education path that you pursue but just different skills that you can develop and different opportunities that you pursue because it all leads to the final outcome of where you end up going so any way you can kind of maximize that from a skill set perspective and an opportunities perspective is is definitely advantageous. You know what's funny is that that's the whole reason why I chose to go into accounting. I knew that if I just had this base of accounting, I then had I could open the doors to being a you know a business analyst, I could go into a tax or audit if I wanted to, but everybody would ask me, you know, oh, so you want to be an a, a, like a, an accountant if you're yeah. going into accounting. And it, it just makes sense for people to ask that. Yeah. But the reality is like no, I don't know, maybe yeah. Like, yeah, I get like, the, yeah. you know, all three of those reactions because I don't know if I want to go into accounting or auditing or tax. What I do know is that it's going to have, that's going to be one of the many doors or two of the many doors that are open for me. If I go into this, if I get this as my base, yeah. just because you go into it, like, how about this? How about all the engineers or the physics majors that end up going into investment banking? Because yeah. they don't care about what your education was, but in a sense, but they do care about how does your mind work? Yeah. And when they see that you studied physics or engineering, they think that that's an incredibly valuable skill in you coming over and building models for investment. Your banking. analytical I, thinking is, exactly. is up to par. So, sure. so I think that um, a, a huge lesson that I think from, from you know us experiencing it is that don't pigeonhole yourself if you're somebody who wants all these doors open. If you know what you want, like if you have been passionate about you know um, software systems let's just call out one thing software systems you've been building them since you were like seven years old eight years old then that makes sense like go and pitch all yourself but if you're somebody who doesn't know what they want to do like go and pick a major or pick a path that gives you the most opportunity to go and branch out um and actually go and 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 you know to the point of either whether it's accounting or not taking on jobs that are going to pigeonhole you for the rest of your career yeah because that that's the biggest thing that i heard in just talking to people again was just you know, like they're in, you need to be mindful of like the jobs that you take kind of will reflect the future positions that will be open to you based on the skills and stuff that you have in your repertoire. So you just need to be mindful of like, you know, what skills do you have, what types of jobs you want to have and what types of like responsibilities and skills are required for those jobs. So being mindful of, um, you know, what, where you start out, um, can ultimately kind of lead to where you end up based on the path that you choose to take. That's why I was mindful of not take just, 
you know, oh, I wanted, I wanted sports, so, oh, I'm just going to do, like, event services or something, even though that's not really what I want to do, you know, I want to do something more, like, analytical leveraging, sort of, like, strategical, like, business knowledge, ability to see patterns and data, stuff like that, like what I'm doing now. Like, I would have never gotten this opportunity if I would have just gone into, like, event services or something just at the beginning, just if it was the first thing that was offered to me. Yeah. So just, like, you know, being... I know, I know it's really easy on from a young professional's perspective, and obviously I, I'll say I speak from a position of where I didn't probably feel as much pressure as someone else who's coming out with like mountains of debt and things like that, so I'll, I'll definitely take that into consideration here, but as much as you can, like definitely try to not just apply to like any and all jobs, like apply to stuff that's like that resonates with you from like the skills that you're going to build and like try to have a long-term vision for like these are the types of roles I want, these are the type of skills I need, and this is like the entry-level job that's going to help me get there. Fantastically put. Really well, really well put. Um, and, uh, and but, but to your point, like let's say that you are somebody who has a lot of debt. Right. That Okay, so take that job that gives you the most money so you can pay it quicker. But yeah. recognize that you're not limited. Like, two things. One, remind me about the second, like there's a second thing here. But the, but the first thing is that that doesn't mean you can't go and find out what your passion is. Yeah, uh, like on absolutely. the On the off hours of work. Right. I am telling you that I do so much fucking damage, okay, between the hours of 6 p.m. or 7 p.m. It depends on how, how rough it is. Sometimes it's 9 p.m., right, if I'm working really late yeah. for, for my group. But between like 6, 7, 8, 9 p.m. to 3 a.m., yeah, you know, you're going to sacrifice some sleep. But I do damage. Like, I really do try and do everything I can to make the most out of the day. My day, the half of my day is done when I'm done with work because then the other half of the day starts, which is me working on this other stuff on the side because I think that the impact is just so important. Yeah. Like, I owe it to, like, I owe it to my parents who put me in a position, like, first of all, for being born, right, the chances of that happening, being born into parents who actually provided me the env environment, the infrastructure, and allowed me to go learn, right, in a space that put me in a position where I am now and that I have all these opportunities, I need to be able to give back as much as possible because I have like so much, you know, of good feelings and, and appreciation for what they did for me, you know? They put me in such a good position, I owe it to people who were not put in the same position to get them into the best position they can be to execute and actually be able to reap those benefits. Um, but, but to the point of like that person who doesn't know what they want to do, okay, then take those off hours, right? That 6 PM and yeah. you don't have to go crazy like me. Like I'm crazy with it, right? Yeah. I, I like, I'm bleeding out of my eyes sometimes and I'm not getting a lot of sleep, but I love it. Like, I feel like I'm living when I'm doing that stuff. I yeah. mean it. And, and what I'm saying is that you don't have to do it as extreme as me. Do it between 6 PM and 10 PM, those four hours in the day to start just researching and watching videos on things that interest you. And then you can try and kind of reverse engineer how can I get into that space and pay, while also being able to pay off my loans. That is a real tactic and strategy to be able to move into a place that you actually like it while still being able to pay off your loans because you're during the day working this job that gives you the most money to pay off debt as quickly as possible. The, uh, the and, and, and then so the second thing, right, that I was talking about, I'm, I'm trying to think of it now. I think I got it. I, I think that whole like, you know, working in your off hours, that is like the golden moments in, in your week. And that allows you to be able to make the most of your weekends because once you start figuring out the things that you're passionate about by researching the things that interest you, then you can start, like now you start looking forward to the weekend, not because it's an escape from your week, but because now you have more than just those four hours, right? Between 6 p.m. and 10 p.m. Definitely. Now you have even more, you have the entire Saturday and Sunday to, 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 to go deeper, right? right? And then once you actually find that thing that you love and you're passionate about and you could do for, you know, the rest of your life, now you're starting to get, you're, now you're starting to like 
catch on to that thing that's going to make you happy for the rest of your life. And that's the real that's the real golden ROI of everything. Can you find something that makes you happy while still being able to sustain yourself and pay off your expenses? Absolutely. That's um, a sweet spot of life right there. Yeah. Yeah. But Being but I but I did appreciate you saying like, hey, you know, I, I don't I don't necessarily have as many loans or, or loans in, in general, but that doesn't mean that I'm not still trying to figure it out, that I'm still not trying to put myself in the best position and these are the things that I'm trying to you know, pass down as things that I learned the hard way. Definitely. Like that I that was so that was such a good humility move and, and I get it because like, you know, I've known you for a while. I know that you have like that that really good intention. And, and that's that's another huge thing is that you have good intent, right? And that's that's better than most people that you're gonna meet within a space. Like, if you have good intent and you use that as your like guiding compass, your guiding you know um, um, measurement, your guiding factor. I think that that is what's really gonna allow you to go and try things out. Because like I know putting this stuff out that because my intent is good and because I know exactly or I'm. I'm you know, I don't necessarily think that people who are still trying to figure out what their passion is are going to know exactly why or what they love. But like the reason why I know why I want this and why I love it is because I know that like it allows me to put people in the same position that I was or be in a better position than I was when I was starting out. Definitely. And so if I can do that, man, that gives me a good feeling. Like as, as much as that helps them out, it helps me out too because I feel like now I'm actually starting to give back for the appreciation that I have for my parents for putting me in such a good position, you know? Right. Definitely. So, those are my thoughts on that. I, I had to I had to throw the camera back. No, dude, it's no, like, I feel that. Yeah, when you got good content, you got to capture. I have it. I have a good partner right now, right? Because like you know you you know because I think that we're close and you know I'm able to talk to you about stuff that I may not necessarily be able to talk to everybody about. Yeah. You know that that opens up to me to actually say like this is actually what's going on. Like I'm executing and people are seeing that, but they may not necessarily be seeing like the intent that I have and why why it's there. Yeah. Um, the first piece of content that I ever put out on LinkedIn was an article about you know the greatest gift I have. I yeah, ever received. I read that. Yeah. That yeah. was because that is one hundred percent where all of my like that's my guiding compass right there is that I was in such a good position because like my parents provided you know and 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 look there are people who are like you you may not have you know you may only have one parent that you know is really in your life. Or you may have no parents in your life, but you have something maybe in your life that allowed you to get to the point where you are now. Yeah. And and in my case, it just happens to be both my parents because I wouldn't have life without them. And that's the that's the reality is that you just don't have life without your parents. So that in and of itself, you you know, I, I feel a, a huge appreciation and you know almost a, a guilt. But but the reality is that there's something out there, and 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 because I have good intent based off of that. I'm I'm comfortable with putting stuff out where I think that historically and, and by the way the other side of this too is my parents are the first people to tell me don't post on social media. Like like how about that for like the whole like two completely opposite worlds. My parents are the reason why I post and I want to give back and at the very same time they're the people who told me don't post on social media way early on and which I think stopped me from doing it for so long and they and their intent was good. Their intent was that stuff's going to be out there forever. Don't post something stupid. And the reality is, they said don't post something stupid. But I think that it, it it really the way the tone came is don't post anything. Yeah. Um. Because you know they were worried you're going to ruin the rest of your career because an employer is going to see that and they're going to say hey we can't hire this person. They're they're a loose cannon or they're a, they're a risk. But the reality is that 
they're the reason why I want to post more because it's the good intent of it. Definitely. But but at the same time, they're the people who also said don't post, and so that's what that's what kept me from doing it for so long. And I think that just talking that out, like I I know it in my head and I've articulated it in my head. But the the funny thing is I don't articulate it verbally because I just live it, right? Like I know it, so yeah. I, I don't feel like I have to articulate that. But that might help people who have their own like who who know that like they really appreciate their parents, but they may not necessarily appreciate something that they do. Right. But my parents didn't have bad intent; they had good intent. They just didn't want me to screw up my life yeah. by posting <laughs> some shit, you know. So it's it's funny. It's like a really interesting paradox. Yeah. Um, but I think that it's something that 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 will help a lot of people because. Your parents aren't always right, but but knowing that they have good intent and appreciating them regardless for what they've done and what they've provided for you, that's what's important. Definitely, definitely, absolutely. All right, man, I have kept you for so long. You have to catch the train. Yeah, right? I'll catch one. Do, of you, them. do you want me to order an Uber, dude?